show me a monopoly that's ever willingly given up its monopoly. And some of them are really digging in. They decided to hire a law firm and that law firm sent letters to, it's hard to know how many operators, but many of them. What that lawyer did was infer that all the operators' Ontario websites were somehow accessible in other provinces. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on LinkedIn Audio. Follow Steve on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Gaming News Canada show presented by Osler, Hoskin, and Hardcourt LLP. I am your mainly humble host, Steve McAllister. It is Thursday, June 8th, and there are only five days before we drop the proverbial puck on the Canadian Gaming Summit at the Metro Toronto Convention Centre next week. Uh, we'll discuss the summit later in the hour with Christian Robolino from SBC and Jesse Learmonth from the Betting Startups podcast and the Betting Startups newsletter. But we begin the show today with the story we reported in the newsletter back in April about a smartphone app that's been developed by researchers at St. Michael's Hospital to support people with gambling concerns. Uh, we want to welcome to the show Dr. Flora Matheson, a research scientist, Dr. Arthur McLuhan, a senior research associate, and Madison Ford, a research coordinator who works alongside Flora and Arthur at MAP Center for Urban Health Solutions. Flora, maybe start with you and, and for the folks that didn't get a chance to read the press release that went out in the middle of April and, and had a chance to, to read this story, can you, can you maybe just start by telling us what the, what the Spring app is? Sure, I can do that. Um, so we developed the Spring app. As a, it's really a unique, low-barrier digital tool to support anyone experiencing gambling concerns. So it's really designed to help people self-manage their gambling urges, behaviors, and to help with recovery and harm reduction. Um, we launched the app in December 2022, and it's, so it's, it's available in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Um, and maybe I can tell you about some of the features. Um, some of the features include gambling problem assessment tools, and these enable users to establish a baseline for problem gambling and track their progress. There's urge and gambling journals, so you can actually write about your, your urge event and your gambling event to identify triggers in high-risk situations. Uh, the app provides weekly insights into gambling urges and patterns to increase awareness in the form decision-making. And there are tailored management tips to gain greater control and maintain progress in your, your gambling and reducing gambling harms. And there's urge distraction tools and grounding resources to help users deal with challenging situations. And finally, there are 24 seven connections to crisis lines. So it, tick, it ticks off an awful lot of boxes, Flora. It does. Yeah. Hey, Arthur, maybe I'll go to you on this. And I'm always fascinated by kind of the, the backstories and how projects like these come, come along and I wonder if there was a conversation or what, you know, what led to the uh, development of this app and, and the work that yourself and Flora and Madison have put into the Spring app. Sure. Thanks, Steve. Um, the problem gambling uh, services have been marked by low rates of treatment participation just generally. That's a finding we have in the, in the literature. In Ontario, Part of what explains the low participation rates are a series of barriers to problem gambling services and supports. Uh, Spring addresses a large gap in the problem gambling service landscape. In Ontario, there are not enough gambling support services for those who need them. These services are often siloed. 
and many have long wait lists. Our partners wanted a tool that could serve as an adjunct and or alternative to existing services that they were offering and could be accessed outside of normal business hours when the gambling event and urge is more likely to occur. This could be at 5 p.m., 6 p.m. when the friend calls asking to go to the casino or to bet on a sporting event uh, on the weekends when support services might be closed. So the app is always there uh, when and where people need it in users' back pockets. And the app and other supports like it have the potential to really improve access and adherence to care um, really at a time when we have uh, some fundamental and uh, rapid changes to the gambling landscape. And gambling is becoming more accessible. Uh, when that is occurring and that's the situation, support should also be in a parallel way also made more accessible to folks. Hey, Arthur, I just want to go back to and just uh, do you remember kind of the first the first conversations around developing the app or, or what, you know, was it a phone call? Was it just sitting, sitting, having a coffee one morning? Like what 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 kind of sparked the discussion that got this project rolling? Oh, that uh, that anecdote belongs to Flora because she was involved in that discussion. I've heard about it. But I'll kick it over to her. Sure. Thanks, Arthur. That's great. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I've been working with a group of community partners for about five or six years. And one in particular, um, I was working very closely with, and uh, we were developing a different solution to help people, uh, help service providers have conversations about problem gambling and poverty and homelessness with their clients. And out of that whole project, uh, at the end of the project, uh, Good Shepherd Ministries, like Lilu and Faro, um, he, he asked me, can we create an app? Can we put a tool in the hands of people? Because we know that you know, people may not come to see us because of stigma, or they may not be able to get access treatment in other places. So it was really just a question. Could we, could we try to create an app <laughs> for people? And... We said, okay, yeah, that's really interesting and will be challenging, but let's let's see if we can do it. And here we are. Thanks, Flora. I, I want to get Madison in here. And, and Madison, uh, I, I reached out to Shelly White today, this morning, because I know the Responsible Gambling Council uh, was was involved with and supported this uh, this initiative. And and Shelly uh, politely declined to join us today and is saying that she wanted uh, she wanted you and, and Arthur and Flora to kind of have a, this was your day in the in the spotlight. So um, I would like to ask just the, the role that the Responsible Gambling Council and, and what other organizations have played a role in, in supporting uh, this project. For sure. So we've worked really closely with a varied group of partners throughout the design and development of the app. We also worked with people with lived experience of problem gambling harms uh, that helped to inform uh, the design and then also the user testing, which was uh, various versions were tested along the way. So others that were involved in the creation of the app include Dr. Alireza Siddiquian, uh, who is a professor at the Toronto Metropolitan University's computer engineering department and really guided us through the development process. In terms of other community partners, we worked with Good Shepherd Ministries, the Jean Tweed Center for Women, Costi Immigrant Services, Fred Victor, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. And these agencies provided uh, all provide support uh, for people facing harms related to gambling. 
We also worked with Public Health Ontario, uh, Responsible Gam uh, Gambling Council, of course, as well as GRIO and Connects Ontario. And all of the partners helped to co-design the app. And the app was built uh, with community uh, using evidence-based practices. And building it with the community was really important to us to make sure that it would reflect their needs uh, and that the final product included all of the features that would be really most important to them. Um, Arthur, this, this might not be a fair question. I mean, you, you and Madison and, and Flora are, are obviously research specialists and, and, and I know one of the priorities with you is to get this app into the hands of as many people as possible. You know, and as you mentioned, the silos earlier, and we know, for example, that in, in sports betting commercials by the registered operators Ontario, there's the Connex Ontario 1-800 number, and there's help there. And obviously, the individual operators have their own self-exclusion programs and, you know, put their own safeguards in place and also work closely with the RGC. You know, how do you how do you make sure that this app is on the radar of, of people who might have some concerns with their gambling behaviors and and letting them know that there is uh, there is access to this tool. Oh, thanks, Steve. The, it's a good question. It's something we're working through right now. Uh, acknowledging that the app currently is in the research phase of, of its implementation, really, and testing before uh, a wider implementation that's freely available to anyone in the community. So we're currently studying the app. And so uh, promoting awareness is in the context of that study and recruitment uh, of uh, of people who want to try out the try out the app so that we can better assess its preliminary effectiveness, patterns of adoption, and so on. But we've been working closely uh, through that process, through that research ethics board approved process to promote greater awareness. We're doing things like uh, joining the uh, infamous or perhaps not infamous, but well-known in the gaming industry, the Gaming News Canada show uh, with the not-so-humble Steve, no, humble Steve McAllister. Um, we're doing the academic tour and circuit, so trying to promote awareness of, of, uh, to a variety of stakeholders. We recognize their industry stakeholders primarily in the audience of this show, um, academic stakeholders, but really also with our, closely with our community partners. So one of the things we're excited about is a potential uh, awareness campaign for the study uh, through our working with our part closely with our partner RGC uh, and promoting awareness of the app and recruitment to uh, the app uh, study uh, via the PlaySmart centers in, uh, in Ontario. So we're excited about that. Uh, we know that uh, although there's a, it's an emerging area of research the prevalence rates across the world are as high among of problem gambling among people experiencing poverty and homelessness are as high as 58% in some studies. Uh, so nine, 10 times the general population uh, prevalence rates uh, in studies that uh, are looking across cases. So that population is not, is something we're quite attentive to as well in this process. We don't want to see left behind. So both in the design of the app, but also in who we're communicating uh, awareness of the app uh, to is important. So our partners like Good Shepherd Ministries, multi-service shelter uh, organization, downtown Toronto, uh, and other partners are, are integral and instrumental in that, uh, that effort. 
Great. Th thanks for mentioning that, Arthur. Yeah, that's that's an important point for, for sure. Uh, Flora, maybe come to you for, for this next question. And that's, uh, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of covers lately around, uh, concerns with the young adults gambling and, and, you know, we've seen what the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario has done with its proposal to, to restrict, uh, the use of athletes and celebrities and, and sports betting advertising. And we've seen the U S, uh, you know, a study that the NCAA came out with last week and, and the concern around, uh, gambling, not, not just by student, student athletes, by, by students who are playing NCAA sports, but also by students on campuses as well. And, you know, just given the fact that, uh, that young people tend to be much more tech savvy than, than old geezers like, like me, um, I, I would think that this, this app will hopefully be something that's, that's attractive, uh, attracted to those young people who are, uh, you know, either have been gambling quite a bit and consider themselves to be experienced gamblers or people who are young people who are now tr attracted to uh, to placing bet or playing an online game. Yes, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think, you know, the the younger generations, not, not our generation, um, uh, are more tax savvy. And so right now i'll be honest the app is not uh focused on adults it's 18 plus and the reason for that is the research piece but you know that is something we have on our radar and uh we are th we are thinking about for new development how we might be able, able to make it attractive and useful for youth um, although with this particular app we did have a youth group that was working with us and gave us feedback so on on, on the feature so you know, getting getting past the research stage and getting into the more uh, commercialization stage to put the app out in more hands um, would allow anyone to use the app, not just adults. Um, so that's that's part of what we're thinking about for next steps. Right, great. Uh, Madison, once, you know, as you pull this research together, I, I guess you'll get to a point that you'll, you'll have an, enough data there to, to, uh, uh, to come up with some findings. Like what, what, what will be done with that research that gets pulled together? For sure. So one of the really great things about the app is it, of course, is benefiting the app users themselves. But in terms of all of the data that's being collected on the back end with all those journal entries and everything, it can be used for further research. So the data that's being collected within the app also helps the research team assess participants' patterns in urges in gambling and self-management strategies over time. There historically has been limited research on self-management, self-help, and remote care strategies for problem gambling. So this data could really inform a lot of uh, future self-management interventions and offer a way to evaluate the preliminary effectiveness of the app, which really is imperative from both a research and knowledge generation perspective, um, as well as in terms of app commercialization. There really is a uh, a necessity to generate evidence related to the app. Um, and we're always being asked when we're kind of discussing this commercialization process, um, what kind of evidence we have that's been collected within the app. So um, if we are seeing successful and positive outcomes, we could really uh, use this evidence um, to help us make the case to potential investors. And there also uh, is the app evaluation itself uh, that we currently are uh, planning and working on. And maybe I'll let Arthur kind of touch base a little more on um, the evaluation that we're planning with the app. 
Sure. Thanks, Madison. Some of the metrics that we're focusing on are the during this initial research phase are, is the reach of the app, the preliminary efficacy and effectiveness uh, among users in the field, the adoption of the app, uh, both among men, women, and uh, looking at different patterns of socio-demographic profiles and characteristics, the implementation of the app. So our users uh, are participants using the app in the way we intended and designed the app, uh, which is never guaranteed either. Um, and the maintenance of the app is another metric that we're looking at, and that speaks to are people using it over time or are they just dropping off uh, after a short period, a brief period. We also recognize, however, uh, given the somewhat trailblazing nature of this work, that uh, any data uh, is good data when it comes to uh, mobile inter uh, mobile smartphone interventions for problem gambling, because there's really not a large evidence base out there in the gambling research field. Uh, Flora, I'm going to get the last word to you, and I, I really appreciate uh, you and Madison and Arthur joining us today. It's a, it's a, the app sounds fantastic. I, I, I do want to get you back on a few months from now when that, that initial phase of research has been completed and you have some findings for that. But, Flora, can you just remind the audience that where, how, how and where people can access the Spring app? Yes, so the, uh, the app is available on the App Store and the Google Play Store. And that's, and, and, and sorry, and is it called, is it actually called the Spring app? Uh, it's Flora? called Spring. It's called yes. Spring. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, for that, sure. Yes, and that's capital S-P-R, lowercase I-N, capital G, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Great. Got it. Great. Dr. Uh, Flora Matheson is a research scientist. Uh, Dr. Arthur McLuhan is a senior research associate at, at MAP. And Madison uh, Ford is a research coordinator. Uh, again, thanks so much to three of you for joining us. And, and as I mentioned, well, we look forward to getting you back uh, maybe in early fall and, and have a follow-up discussion on the app. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Steve. you so much, Steve. Great. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, all. We'll find some time at the end of the show. I want to talk about some of the news that we uh, that we had in the in the newsletter this week. Also revisit for a second the uh, the What's Next for iGaming Regulation in Canada webinar that we, we did with our sponsors at GBGPLC that uh, we published yesterday. Uh, really good discussion with uh, with Amanda Brewer from Kinder Group, who of course is with us here every week on, on LinkedIn Audio and the Gaming News Canada show. Uh, Jack Tabman from GME Law, who's who's in the room with us today. Uh, Scotty Vanderwell from PointsBet Canada, and Rebecca Jackson from GBGPLC. That webinar is available. You can access it through through the Gaming News Canada on Substack, and you can also watch it on the Gaming News Canada YouTube uh, page. A word from our sponsor. The Gaming News Canada show is presented by Osler, Hoskin, and Harcourt, LLP. Osler's gaming practice has the insight needed to help clients navigate the complex and evolving landscape of the gaming industry. Osler's position as a trusted advisor in the gaming industry has been built over years of service to operators, suppliers, and gaming authorities. Visit osler.com gaming for more information. That's O-S-L-E-R dot forward slash gaming. Now back to the show. 
get Amanda Brewer in here for a second and get her thoughts on, on the webinar yesterday. I did want to say to Madison and Arthur and Flora, though, that I did see the news release come out. And as we were going through and updating things on our website um, last month, we did put a link to the Spring app on our website. So for any of our customers who are noticing some issues with their gambling or think that they need some tools to help control uh, their gambling. We were really pleased to have um, a Made in Ontario tool available for them. So just wanted to mention that at least from the, the Univet side, um, we, we were really happy to see that and really happy to support that. But yeah, yesterday was a really great discussion about how we came to have regulated online gaming in Ontario and regulated single event sports betting in Canada. And I think if you segue from sort of the summit last year, which was our first in-person summit uh, since COVID, um, and how exciting that was because the market had just opened a few months earlier. And now here we come again under the fabulous uh, leadership of SBC. Um, so it'll be a bigger, better, you know, better organized, better run, um, more exciting conference this year. Um, and I think you know, with the year under our belt and so much that we've been able to learn and operators, you know, unbelievable number of them in the market compared to last year. Uh, so I'm really excited. My calendar's never been so booked. And I think there's going to be a little bit for everyone. And it's uh, last I heard, we might have a record number of attendants uh, as well from people coming from all over the world because Ontario is a very unique market. It's one of the largest, most competitive markets in North America. It's hard to compare to any other market in the world. Um, so I think there will be a lot of people who are, are interested in coming to hear the panelists, which I think you're a moderator too, Steve, and to uh, just do a whole bunch of old-fashioned networking. So there, there's my spiel of, of everything that we've kind of touched on in the last 24 hours. That's uh, that's a far, far better introduction than, than I had uh, written on my work, Microsoft Word document, Amanda. And, and <laughs> you might have you even trumped uh, Christian Robolino, who now now joins us, uh, the VP of Marketing Americas at SBC. And uh, Christian, thanks uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, uh, before we got you on here, I, I was asking if you were in Toronto yet or if you were still uh, taking care of some last-minute details before hopping on a plane. Hi, Steve. Hi, Amanda. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, actually, I'm still, uh, I live in Texas, so I'm still in, in Houston right now, but uh, doing last minute prep for the event next week. We're, we're super, super excited about this event. It'll be the first time, as you guys mentioned, the first time that SBC will be the, the organizer. Um, and I can't wait for, for everyone to see this event uh, come to fruition, everything that we've put all the energy behind it. And if you've ever been to an SBC, event before you you know um, how different and uh, uh, organized and 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 the substance behind it uh, is noticeable so hoping hoping that uh that everyone can make it and uh, to just to see how the event will turn out hey christian i mean obviously you and and uh you know bob mcfarlane and Stu schneider and the rest of the uh the team at sbc i mean you're you're veterans at, at staging these summits but uh, is there is there a little bit of pressure with coming to Canada and wanting to make sure that uh, that you put on a good show on behalf of the Canadian Gaming Association? And obviously, it's a dynamic time for for the industry, especially here in Ontario. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. We want to make sure that everyone has the best uh, experience, um, but not just that. Um, it, it's about the content and the conference program that we put together. 
the networking opportunities uh, during the event um, and just having the right people together at the event. As you mentioned and, and Amanda mentioned, uh, this will be a, a record-breaking event. We already have over 60% more registrations uh, than last year, which is a, a significant number to point out. And um, our, our goal was to double that attendance from last year, and it looks uh, that it's going in that direction. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's a little bit of pressure, but we're also very excited to, to showcase what, uh, what product SBC puts together. And just to confirm, Christian, there, there still are tickets available? Yeah, yeah, tickets are still available. Uh, you can go to CanadianGamingSummit.com or SBCEvents.com, and it'll take you to to the details of the event. You can see the entire show floor plan, the the conference programming, um, and obviously be able to to obtain tickets uh, for the event. Uh, what's really cool about our events is that uh, the the tickets are all inclusive, meaning that you don't really have to worry about. Um, you know, lunch and breakfast and, um, you know, the networking drinks or the parties. We, we, we make sure that everyone has a, a seamless experience and are able to just get the ticket and not worry about anything else. You'll, you'll have your breakfast and your dinner, uh, uh, sorry, your breakfast and lunch, and, uh, and usually there's food in, in the evening's event uh, as well. Yeah, and I'll mention too, Chris, you know, that if, uh, again, we, we do have ticket information in today's news, Gaming News Canada newsletter. Um, so, again, if you're looking for that link, it's in the, in the newsletter. I know, Christian, talking to a couple of people at the SBC Summit in Secaucus a few weeks ago, you know, there was a, a little bit of concern about how how SBC um, comes up with an agenda that would that would be unique and different from what we saw in Secaucus and again looking at the agenda it seems that that's that's mission accomplished but I assume that there was a lot of conversation because there is such strong Canadian representation at the SBC Summit North America and there there has been for a while that you you wanted to make sure that there wasn't too much overlap when when the industry gathered in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Uh, obviously, our, our conference program is really special and unique. You know, you, you're not going to hear just a bunch of pitches and presentations from different companies. It's really going to be about the, the content and what's important and what's happening in industry, uh, especially, uh, obviously, in Canada. Um, our SBC Summit North America event um, is very focused on, on the U.S., but this is uh, an event, uh, as it has been for, for 25 years, um, specifically focused on this industry and this market. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not just also about Ontario, it's about the other provinces and what's coming up next and how, um, similar to what happened in the U.S., how can other provinces, other states learn from uh, what's been going on in Ontario. Um, but we have representatives and from the Crown Corporations from the different provinces, and I think that's what's going to make it even more powerful this year is that, uh, you know, this isn't just um, uh, an event for a specific segment. This is for for all of Canada. and the land-based First Nations were very welcoming um, to ensuring that all aspects of the ecosystem are, are, are being well represented at the uh, event and on the conference program. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Chris. And I'm going to give you a, a moment to gra grab a drink and, uh, and clear your throat a little bit. But uh, Amanda, I just, I'd like to ask you that just because you've been involved for, for quite a long time now in the industry, just how important this conference is and, and does it take on even greater meaning or is, is there a different dynamic now that we are you know more than a year into a regulated market Ontario and and again there's a bit of buzz as we talked about on the webinar yesterday to, to see if regulating sports betting and gaming can extend into other provinces across the country yeah I think it's what um, 
Christian was talking about the fact that Candace had a very robust gaming industry for a very long time. And if you think back to the kind of nascent early days of online gaming, Pure Software, you know, that engine that built PokerStars came out of the northern, you know, greater Toronto area. So we've had our kind of toe in the water for a very long time here. But you always look at Canada and you try and invite comparison to other jurisdictions, specifically the U.S. And I think for us, it's really important not to collapse the Canadian Gaming Summit into something that's completely North American um, and to really allow our Crown Corporations, our Indigenous uh, gaming operators and operations, our software developers, our technological developers, all the chance, all, all those, give them all the chance to, to shine. And I think that's what this summit really does. And, you know, the gaming industry is a global industry, but you talk about sort of what Paul Burns was focusing the summit on for so many years. It's truly showing how Canada has for decades now punched above its weight, just in terms of the people who work here, the talent, the expertise that, that has originated from Canada specific to the gaming industry. So the fact that we can still bring a lot of people to a conference and we have record attendance and we have really smart people coming to speak and to share their insights and their experience, I think really just shows that Canada deserves to have its own conference and, you know, just to, to be held in a Canadian city and showcase all the wonderful talent that's available here. So that was a very long-winded answer and I apologize, but it's really, if you look at sort of all the conferences that are out there, I think it would be a mistake to try and just lump us together with everyone else because how we operate gaming is very unique in Canada. Our crown corporations are very unique. Our First Nations are very unique as well. So I think it's great that we are able to put the spotlight firmly on, on Canada next week. Yeah, Christian, that's, that's a long answer, but it's a great answer from Amanda. And I think, you know, having dealt a little bit over the past five or six months with, with you and Aiden Brain and Nikki Fields at, at SBC, um, you know, it's, you don't have to look very far to find Canadian talent to fill, fill your panels. And I, I, I know that SBC realized that before with, with, uh, with regards to the kind of talent that is up here, but it, it has to make your job a little bit easier when you know that you can tap into the, the amount of expertise, experience, and, and talent in, in this industry across the country. Absolutely, absolutely. There, there is quite a, a lot of innovation coming out of Canada. Um, in fact, uh, as you are, as, as you are a witness, Steve, uh, the first uh, startup competition that we had for North America, you guys won it um, that first year, and we've had a lot of participants and a lot of uh, applicants for our, our SBC Summit uh, first pitch competition, uh, and. Yeah, it speaks to, to what you guys are talking about, that uh, that innovation and that that uh, great minds are coming from Canada. So it, it isn't difficult to find great uh, speakers that are very knowledgeable and, and thought leaders. Well, I don't want to get a nasty email or phone call for Chris Adams. So I'm, I mean, I'm going to mention that we shared the uh, we shared the victory two years ago with with Sharp Rank. So, yeah. um, but that was a great experience, and it, it's a nice segue, uh, um, Amanda. To you know, I was said to someone at the SBC Summit in Secaucus last month that when when I went there two years ago, and unfortunately Mark Sober, our, our CEO, couldn't join us because he was dealing with COVID then, but. 
you know, walking around the uh, the Meadowlands Exposition Center, not not really knowing a lot of people at the time. I think you know, you and I had met because we were writing the newsletter, and Paul Burns and a couple of other other people. Um, but uh, you know, whether you're a stranger or whether now you're you're a veteran, where you it seems you run into someone you know when you walk every ten feet. Uh, I think it is a conference that has something for someone who's new to the industry. And then, of course, just the opportunity to, to run into some familiar faces. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm super excited to go, mostly because I didn't have to organize any of it this year. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, that was great of Christian to remind everyone that you and Mark co-won that first pitch, first, first pitch. And yeah, I mean, it just, it's just exciting to be in this industry and it will be nice to talk about more than just Ontario because as I've gotten fond of saying, we don't need to talk so much about Ontario anymore. Ontario is launched. We can all move on. There are other things going on in other provinces and other sectors of this industry that deserve some attention too. So yeah, I'm looking forward to going and not having to talk so much about Ontario. Hey, Christian, are you, this is something that Amanda's mentioned in the past, and we've, we've asked people like Will Hill and, and Chris Abbott, and Nick Salski, and some of the regulars that, that appear on the show here. But just as someone who's in the trenches of the SBC, if, if you're a first-timer to the, to the summit next week, what, what would you uh, – do you have two or three suggestions on how to make sure those people get the most out of the experience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, the f very first thing is to look at the entire schedule of events that are happening um, at the event so you can get uh, familiar with where things are located and um, where things are uh, and what time to attend. Uh, so obviously we'll kick off um, next week's event with our Player Protection Symposium. Uh, it's, a, it's a smaller conference dedicated to, to the Player Protection. Um, and on the evening we're going to have a pre-reg party which is the perfect opportunity to network, to grab your badge, so you don't have to wait in line the next day when the show floor opens. Uh, and I think most importantly, uh, I would say we have an app um, that allow you to connect with other individuals and especially see who's, who else is attending on the exhibitor and sponsors uh, side. Um, so you can kind of get your schedule in advance and set up meetings. Um, but the networking events on Tuesday and Wednesday are not to be missed. Uh, they will be very fun and uh, um, a lot of people in the industry that are going to be just networking and, and having a good time as well. Yeah, yeah, great advice, Tristan, to make sure you, you make make yourself available for that networking because it, it tends to be the most important and most relevant part of the uh, of the conference. And, and thanks for mentioning uh, the app as well. And the, the last uh, last thing I mentioned for you is that uh, when when we, we talked to Bob McFarland last year at the summit, when SBC was kind of checking out the Metro Toronto Convention Center, you could see Bob Bob's eyes light up, and he's really excited about the uh, about the facility there. And uh, I, I think if, again, if you're a first timer to a, to a gaming summit, that you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you walk into the uh, convention center on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The The location is perfect. It's ideal. It's right in the middle of everything. Uh, and the venue, it, it's very nice. We've been there. Um, so everything is coming along very nicely. And it, like you said, uh, it's going to be a great event. Uh, Christian Robolino is Vice President of Marketing in America at, at SBC. Uh, Christian, thanks for joining us to, to help tee up uh, the Canadian Gaming Summit next week. Thank you, Steve. Uh, looking forward to it. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you guys there. A word from our sponsor. 
GBG are global leaders in digital identity, fraud prevention, and compliance solutions that help operators to increase player acquisition rates, reduce fraud, and stay on the right side of market regulations. In fact, 60% of gaming brands who hold a license in the province of Ontario are already working with GBG. Visit gbgplc.com for more information on GBG services. Now back to the show. We're going to stick with the Canadian Gaming Summit because we want to get uh, Jesse Learmont into the room from uh, Victoria, British Columbia, I believe. And Jesse is, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Jesse is the, uh, the founder of the Betting Startups podcast, uh, the Betting Startups newsletter. And I believe, Jesse, you've also recently added another podcast, the Bet On It podcast, correct? Yeah, that's correct, Steve. Uh, got myself busy over here with all of these uh, podcasts and newsletters, which uh, is no small feat, as I'm sure you can appreciate. But uh, yeah, no, happy to be here. This feels like uh, overdue to make my inaugural appearance on the show here. I'm old enough to remember actually when this was a Twitter space. So cool to be over here on LinkedIn. <laughs> Shh, supposed to keep that quiet, Jesse. <laughs> uh, listen, we, we want to get you in here first of all. But as you mentioned, it is long overdue. Jesse's someone who's been around the gambling industry for for more than a, a decade now. Uh, one of the first people that, that we met, I think, uh, probably at the at the SBC summit in That's December right. 2021, Jesse, and uh, you you are going to be moderating the uh, the first pitch competition on on Thursday at the Canadian Gaming Summit, and uh, I'm sure uh, you I know you provide counsel to a lot of startups. You're you're someone who's will always willing to share your story and share your advice. So I, I would think this is a very this will be a very comfortable environment for you. Yeah, well, and it also helps that, uh, you know, a few weeks ago in New Jersey at the SBC Summit North America event, obviously, they had the flagship first pitch event there, which I hosted. So we're going to run it back here next week in Toronto. I'll, I'll take another run at it and uh, appreciative to SBC for the trust they've placed in me to uh, to take on that role. Hey, Jesse, I don't know how much you can you can tell us, but uh, there's three finalists for the competition. SBC announced those finalists, I believe, yesterday. Uh, mm -hmm. Three companies, Flex Fantasy, Turnover Global and Limeate, and those three companies are going to present in front of a uh, you know a great panel of judges, uh, Benji Cherniak, who anyone who's ever listened to LinkedIn Audio or our, our podcast is very familiar with, uh, Danny Lipkin, the managing director of Global Innovation Sector TMX Group, uh, Scott Secord, the partner of Cardinal Capital Sports, and a lot of people might know Scott from his days uh, running uh, the Point Street business here in Canada. Uh, Emily McQuillan, the an investment analyst with Relay Ventures, and Mohi Kansal, the managing director of Clarivest, will also be among the judges. Um, can you maybe tell us a little bit about the three finalists, Jesse? Yeah, so the, you know, I, I don't have a lot more information than what SBC has publicly released, but yeah, as far as the the three finalists, Steve, uh, Flex Fantasy, as I understand, they have a pretty novel approach that allows uh, fantasy sports players to synchronize their season-long fantasy lineups um, in a way that allows them to compete on a more short-term basis. I understand it to be sort of a, I guess I'll call it a bridge between season-long fantasy and daily fantasy. So looking forward to hearing more about that concept from Flex Fantasy next week. Um, second one, we have Turnover Global. Um, admittedly, I don't know a lot about them, but I do know that they are developing something quite unique uh, with virtual sports betting content. So the you know virtual sports for those that might not be aware is, is basically the idea that in periods of time where there's no live sport to bet on virtual sports exactly what it sounds like basically simulates gameplay usually with animations and all of this sort of stuff with more you know sort of like i guess 
casino like mechanics behind the scenes but you know from the customer's perspective it, it's a virtual sport um and uh, allows them to bet over short periods and i understand turnover global has uh, developed a pretty neat implementation of virtual sports and then the third company we have is called linemate I actually uh, of the three finalists next week i do know the the team behind linemate a little bit kelvin and matthew uh great guys um they've been uh, developing their product for almost a couple of years now i think and linemate essentially is uh, and I'll probably uh, bastardize the, the correct positioning here, but uh, basically, it, it's it's a research tool uh, that you know allows folks to you know analyze um, statistics and data, and basically ultimately help them make the right betting decisions for them. So three very different types of businesses, but uh, all three very interesting ones, and really looking forward to hearing their presentations next week. Hey Jesse, that, I, I, I can't stress enough. Just uh, you know, not not the win us the winning aside and sharing it with Sharp Rank two years ago, but just the opportunity to uh, present our business as a you know we I think we were at the time we were five or six months into uh, into Parlay Media Group and the companies evolved a lot since then. But just the opportunity to present in front of front of people like Chris Grove and Lloyd Danzig and. Um, you know the the uh, the prize package, and, and next week the prize package is worth seventy thousand dollars. But that prize package back in twenty twenty one, it wasn't about the money so much as it was having FaceTime with people like Lloyd and, and Chris. And uh, we were also introduced to the uh, the folks at Eilers and Crycheck Gaming through uh, through that that competition. And uh, I'm sure you would agree that the, that the value goes goes so far beyond that uh, that seventy thousand dollars. Well, I know this is your show, Steve, so I'm not going to ask the questions today, but I, I have to think, you know, you and, and Mark would know as well as anybody what that value is, right? And, and to that point, you're absolutely right. I mean, anecdotally, what I've heard from most of the finalists that have pitched over the previous installments of, of this competition is exactly that, right? For the winners, yeah, you know, the prize package is nice and certainly helps and, and not to, to you know minimize that because it is valuable. Uh, but really, it is that exposure, that visibility uh, sort of the instant credibility, I would say, that one gets by virtue of even being selected as a finalist. I mean, the competitive field right now to even get on the stage is is deeper than it's ever been. So to even get up on that stage is, is a small victory unto itself. But it really is that credibility, I think, that comes with, with making it there. And certainly, you know, some of the names you mentioned that are typically in the audience there, uh, along with many more very, you know, influential, important people and a lot of folks making investment decisions. Uh, you know, that's that's probably the fastest way to really accelerate uh, just kind of getting your name out there and um, really establish, establishing yourself as a, a, you know, a credible, you know, up and comer within the industry. So, yeah, look, I mean, everybody would love to win number, you know, the, the top prize and, and lift the trophy over their head. But I think to your point, it really is some of those, uh, you know, long tail benefits that come with just being selected as a finalist. Yeah, I want to get Mark Silver in here, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse, look forward to seeing you. But thinking about our experience with the first pitch, one of the things, if I can go back in time and have some pre-advice from the panel that were reviewing us, was that over time, as you pivot and evolve as a startup, you know, just go, going back to that group and, and being able to tell your new story. And when you look at a couple of the companies in particular, in this case, for us, there was a cash prize that, that ended up allowing uh, Lloyd Danzig and Eilers and Krychek to come in as investors in our company. So just the ability to have access to them, check-ins probably every six months or so, opening up new doors, because even though they're only you know in for a small amount of equity in, in our company overall, it's still that access that is so important. It's the difference between having an investor who is at your disposal versus having the potential to talk to someone who could be an investor, but they're not on that journey with you. 
And I think that really goes to the point, Mark, of, um, you know, a lot of the investors, uh, you know, within this industry that really focus on the industry. I mean, these are just people that are writing checks. To your point, I mean, they're, they're truly value adding, right? Whether it's making introductions, connections, helping, you know, establish new partnerships, uh, finding other investors. I mean, they are along for the ride. And it, it's not just a case of writing the check and, and, you know, waiting for the next monthly update. A lot of these folks are very actively supporting their startups and their portfolio companies. And uh, that really is obviously a, a huge part of uh, developing the early stage part of the ecosystem is, is getting that level of support to the founders that are out there really, you know, pushing the boulder uphill. It's hard enough as it is. And, and having that level of investor support really can change the game for a lot of these companies. So, um, yeah, absolutely, Mark. Hey, Jesse, just uh, again, you're you're in a bit of a different position than Amanda being in being in Toronto or you being in British Columbia. And maybe this is too general a question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Like how what does the Canadian Gaming Summit mean, mean to you? Yeah, it's a good question, Steve. So I admit I missed last year. Uh, unfortunately, it conflicted with my honeymoon. I wasn't able to get out of that. So uh, this will actually be my first um, time coming to the, the Canadian Gaming Summit. But I will say like. As you mentioned at the outset, uh, the intro, Steve, you know, I, I've been around the industry for about 13, 14 years now. So I actually do remember a time back around, you know, 2011, 2012, there was a version of the Canadian Gaming Summit. And I remember that. I think there was a, one uh, year it was in Vancouver. So I hopped over on the ferry to Vancouver, checked it out. That time, I mean, you know, we had been in the industry for a year. We, we didn't really know anybody. So we went and checked this thing out. And I just really remember it being something akin to like a hotel conference room with you know, the, the dim lighting and there was a couple tables set up with, you know, <laughs> exhibitors like and and that now with what I'm expecting to see next week when we all arrive in Toronto, I think it's going to just really go to show how far the landscape has evolved and grown in the Canadian market. And, you know, some of the earlier points that were made, I think how, you know, how unique some of the aspects of the industry are in Canada compared to the U.S., which obviously, you know, dominates most of the discourse um, when we talk about the industry. But there are a lot of aspects unique to Canada. And I, you know, I'm really excited to just get to Toronto next week and, and kind of take it all in. So. Amanda, do you, do you remember that, uh, that conference that Jesse was referring to? <laughs> How many years ago was that now? Um, yeah, there were, there was a time when the summit used to move around and, you know, they always, and it was, just, I'm sure the same considerations that Christian and the SBC team put in, you have to find places that are easy for people to fly into. Uh, so Vancouver a few times, uh, Montreal, and the last in-person one was in Edmonton uh, before uh, COVID shut everything down. So yeah, I think the summit has always in the um, pre-SBC days really prioritized the education sessions over the conference show floor. So, you know, obviously there was a more of a kind of lackluster <laughs> show floor compared to what you're used to seeing if you're at SBC conferences in the States or G2E or anything like that. Um, so I think, you know, as I said earlier when I was speaking, uh, myself and Paul are wildly excited to be showing up next week. We've spoken several times this week. Um, we're both so relaxed and so calm and it's such a beautiful place to be in. So um, looking forward to everything that Christian and his team will be, uh, you know, spoiling us with. And I think it's going to be a, a fabulous show. Hey, Jesse, I, I, I can't let you go before asking you to fly the flag a little bit for, for the industry in British Columbia, because I, I know uh, we all like to talk about Toronto and Ontario as being the center of the Canadian universe. But 
there's there's a really good story to tell for again people that that listen to the podcast who may not follow the the sports betting and gaming industry closely that that there's a really vibrant industry happening in in your province. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, it, it dates back a long ways, to be honest, um, and and particularly in Vancouver, right? I mean, there is something of a, a, a I don't want to call it a sleeper cell. It's not quite the right right way to frame it, but like Vancouver has a tremendous um, amount of industry talent there. There's a lot of obviously, you know, marquee companies that have headquartered themselves there. Um, you know, newer startups are in the earlier stage part of the ecosystem are starting to emerge in, in BC. And I think that really, you know, is chalked up to a couple of things. I mean, one, um, you know, just, you know, the overall sort of tech ecosystem, I guess we'll call it more broadly in, in Vancouver specifically, uh, and to an extent in Victoria, where I am, uh, is extremely healthy, right? And, and it's a very fertile ground, I think, for, for starting a company in the tech industry. And I guess overlaying that with, you know, the, the history of the betting industry um, and, and iGaming within Vancouver. I mean, there's a lot of talent here, very experienced. And you're right, it doesn't, you know, often maybe get talked about as much as, as you know, Ontario for obvious reasons, but um, don't make any mistakes about it. There, there There's a lot going on here. Uh, and I think as, you know, um, provinces, including BC, get further along in their own regulatory frameworks, I think we're going to only see that accelerate. And, you know, selfishly and personally, I, I do hope SBC at one point in the future will consider uh, doing an instance of the show out here on the West Coast. So I'll just leave that there for Christian and the team to consider. I, I, I like that idea a lot, Jesse. I, I love the idea of spending uh, three or four days in, in Vancouver at, uh, when, when, as long as it's not raining. Um, just one, one last uh, question, Jesse. Just can you maybe tell us a bit about what, what you're up to these days? I mentioned the, the podcasts and, and the newsletters off the top, but what, what other business do you have going on these days? Yeah, you bet. I mean, those consume a lot of my time. But in addition to that, I mean, uh, you know, simply by virtue of all of the wonderful startups I've been meeting through the podcast and the newsletter, you know, I've gotten to know a few of them. I've uh, uh, signed on as an advisor to a couple of them. So I'm spending a bit of time actually helping, you know, on a bit of a hands-on basis, a, a couple of these companies, uh, you know, accelerate their progress. Um, separate to that, um, I've also got my hands full with another project more focused on uh, recruitment within the industry. So um, just to give you a quick plug for what that's all about. Um, one of the challenges I've experienced in my time is there's no actual single place to, to look at all of the industry jobs in one place. So I've built out a job aggregator site, which basically pulls in right now, I don't know, two dozen different companies jobs, but I'm, I'm, I'm furiously working to try and basically uh, get every employer within the industry on here, aggregate every job in the industry and basically use that as a bit of a hub to tell the story of the industry with an eye towards um, really trying to attract new talent into it, right? I mean, the reality is that uh, talented people have lots of optionality, even in a down market that we're in. And there's still a lot of other compelling sectors out there. You know, I mean, you know, a, you know AI sort of the flavor of the day, flavor of yesterday, sort of Web3 and crypto, uh, e-commerce, fintech, all of these other spaces. But in my opinion and for my money, betting and iGaming is as exciting of the, as these other spaces. But... I don't personally think we're doing enough at the industry level to sort of advocate and tell our story. So my hope with my project here with the job board is that's sort of the first phase where eventually it will become sort of this hub where people can discover the industry, learn about the employers within it, and hopefully ultimately find uh, their dream career within it. So uh, stack all of this stuff up. I'm a fairly busy guy and still trying to find some time to maintain uh, uh, some life to enjoy the West Coast here. That's why we live here. Great. I, I love that, Jesse. Uh, listen, Jesse, you were uh, you were one of our earliest supporters. Uh, Mark Silver reminded me that we appeared on your podcast back in December 2021. I'm, I'm thinking probably maybe a week or two after after the first pitch competition. So 
you you've been a very good friend to, to Parley Media Group. Um, it's always one of the the highlights of, uh, of of my trips to conferences when you and I get a chance to to have a conversation and when we run into each other. So I really appreciate you coming on, um, shining a light on the first pitch competition at the Canadian Gaming Summit next week and. Um, let's hope that maybe we can uh, we can grab a coffee or, or, or lunch uh, during the three days we're both there. Yeah, I can only reciprocate that, uh, Steve, uh, to you and Mark. And uh, it's been uh, really exciting to watch the uh, the journey you guys have been on with your wider team and, and sort of all the you know incredible things you guys are up to now. So I really appreciate you inviting me on finally. Again, happy this finally happened and really looking forward to seeing you guys next week in Toronto. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Jesse. That's uh, Jesse Learmont, the uh, the five tool man in the sports betting and gaming industry, uh, founder, executive producer, host, uh, pretty much wears every hat there is to wear with the uh, the betting startups podcast, the bet on it podcast and the uh, the betting startups newsletter. Uh, look forward to seeing Jesse and, and Christian next week. Uh, we've got a few minutes remaining. Uh, Amanda, I'm hoping uh, hoping to get your thoughts. Uh, we led the newsletter this morning on a story that's still evolving. And, and uh, as the headline newsletter suggested, a, a, a kind of a clash of the coalitions. And just qu- quickly, the, a coalition of, uh, of some of the uh, lottery gaming corporations from four provinces uh, across Canada had sent a letter to Ontario op- licensed operators and also CC Tom Mungin from the Alcoholic Gaming Commission, I, I guess, complaining about those operators having a presence in, in their uh, in their provinces. So a coalition of these licensed operators in Ontario, they, they got together and fired their own letter back to the Provincial Lottery Corporation a month ago. I guess this story, I don't know if it's in the early stages or if this was a case where uh, the lottery corporations were trying to flex their muscles and the the operators pushed back and that's going to be the end of it. I, I just wanted to, do you have any opinion on this? <laughs> How much time do we have, Steve? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that, you know, as, as I'm fond of saying, you know, show me a monopoly that's ever willingly given up its monopoly. And you've got the other, the other crown corporations who are still monopolies in their provinces. And some of them are really digging in and we know for a fact that they've had conversations with uh, IGO and the AGCO so they've definitely come and knocked on the door to ask them how they're doing Um, but they instead decided to hire a law firm and that law firm sent letters to it's hard to know how many operators but many of them Um, but what that law that lawyer did was infer that all the operators Ontario websites were somehow accessible in other provinces um, and that you know, we were able to, or he was able to, or parts of his staff were able to, or open accounts and gamble, which is patently false, because that means that we'd all be contravening the standards, and all of our geolocation would be failing, and, you know, that's just, it's it's not possible. So um, a bunch of operators got together, and they've sent the complaint off to BCLC, and a bunch of really smart questions were asked because this lottery corporation has also hired a PR firm. And uh, I think the Attorney General and the Minister of Finance might have also been CC'd for that province because one of my colleagues has uh, often wondered how much those provincial governments know what their lottery corporations are up to. So at least we know in British Columbia there should be some 
uh, one attorney general, one minister of finance who may now be aware of what their lottery corporation is doing. The, the truth of the matter is we know that they're unhappy with the national advertising because, you know, Chorus, Rogers, Bell doesn't bundle their ads. So the ads that will be like legal here in Ontario are being shown in other provinces. And, you know, I understand why, you know, Alberta, BC, Manitoba, Saskatchewan don't like that. But Tom Mangum and the AGCO can only control gaming within the boundaries of the province of Ontario. They cannot do anything in any other province, just like any other province can't do anything, you know, in Ontario. So, I, you know, I, I think this is, you know, an expected um, tactic by the lottery corporations. Um, but I hope that this is the end of it because the letters that went out to the operators were patently untrue and false. And I mean, good on good on the operators for pushing back too. So let's hope this is the end of it, and you know, let's hope we can have some you know fruitful and productive conversations with our colleagues next week when we're all in town, and this doesn't have to be the the topic that we all get stuck on. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too, Amanda, just given the evolving dynamic with with the licensed operators in Ontario and the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation. I think, as I point out in the newsletter, we're in Secaucus a few weeks ago, and Andrew Darley from the OLG is up there on stage with Dave Phillips and a couple of operators, and uh, and Dave Pridmore joined a couple of operators at the Canadian Gaming Association one year anniversary conference back in early April. Um, again, I'm sure there's some elbowing and scrums in the corner behind the scenes, but it, it does seem from the outside that the operators in the OLG are, are co coexisting quite peacefully here in Ontario. Yeah, if you talk to the OLG, they pulled their socks up, they're competing, they're doing quite well, and it's proof that the iGaming business did not come in and cannibalize from our lottery corporation, nor did it cannibalize from our land-based casinos. Those are two of the normal sort of fears or concerns that get raised um, when markets like this are are about to open. And, you know, the other point is that's also very important to remember is in all those other provinces, because Canada is a great market, those lottery corporations are already competing, are today competing against the gray market. So, you know, the competition is already in existence. So just trending it doesn't exist doesn't mean it's going to go away. So anyway, I think Ontario has a really good story and hopefully there'll be some further discussions between some of those lottery corporations and IGO and AGCO when they're out next week. Let's uh, let's end it there. Thank, thanks, Amanda. That's, that's Amanda Brewer, the Canadian Country Manager for Kindred Group. And again, if you get a chance, uh, access through our newsletter on Substack or on the Gaming News Canada YouTube uh, channel to watch that What's Next for iGaming Regulation in Canada webinar that, uh, that we put out uh, on Wednesday. I also want to thank Dr. Flora Matheson, Dr. Arthur McLuhan, and Madison Ford from the MAP Center for Urban Health Solutions. Uh, thank you, Christian Robolino from SBC. Look forward to seeing you next week. Also, thank you to, to Jesse Learmont for, for jumping on and, and Mark Silver as well. Um, you can find this podcast when it comes out on Fridays on, uh, on Substack, Apple, Spotify, and, and the, other, uh, the other app, uh, app platforms. Um, we will be at the uh, we will be at the uh, Canadian Gaming Summit next week. We will we will have two newsletters. We we will do a live uh, LinkedIn audio event from from the floor at the Metro Toronto Convention Center on the Thursday. Um, to the people that are directly impacted by the uh, the wildfires across the country right now, and I know there are places like where I live where we we walk outside and we see a bit of haze and we smell some smoke, but it's 
nothing even remotely close to what people uh, directly in the, in the line of literal fire are, are experiencing. So our our thoughts are with those uh, people across across the country, and 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 uh, hopefully these fires are put out as quickly as possible, and, and people can start uh, getting their life back in order. Uh, please, everybody, enjoy your weekend safely. And for everybody coming to the Canadian Gaming Summit, uh, safe travels. And we'll look forward to, uh, to seeing you all next week at the uh, Canadian Gaming Summit. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.